In your Bible tonight, 2 Samuel chapter number 5. 2 Samuel chapter number 5. And when we go there, we're going to come to a moment that we have long anticipated in the life of David. A lot of years have transpired since that day that David was out in the shepherd's field and the prophet Samuel came to the house of Jesse and said, Jesse, gather your boys because God has told me out of this family is going to come the next king of Israel. And the oldest, and we know, I know a song, I used to sing a song about that, and we, we know the story that the oldest were positioned before Samuel down to the next to youngest. And as the boys were observed and looked upon by Samuel, Samuel's like, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. They ran out of sons. And Samuel looks at Jesse and says, is there any more? And they said, well, there's the shepherd boy. And so he says, send for him. He wouldn't let anybody sit down. And he says, send for him. And they sent for David out of the shepherd's field. And David comes into the presence of Samuel. And God smites the heart of the prophet and says, that's my man. And God anoints David, a boy, just a boy, to be the next king of Israel. Now, I wish that we could say that this, well, I don't know if I wish it, but sometimes you think maybe the story should end like, and they all lived happily ever after, but real life doesn't work like that. Have you noticed that? And they lived happily ever after. I'll just tell you, every fairy tale story you see where some boy and girl walks off into the sunset in their early 30s, holding hands, madly in love, if it ends with, and they lived happily ever after, it's a lie. It's a lie. Uh, Because life is tough. Have you noticed that? It's tough. But that's okay. Because God's grace is more than enough and is sufficient. And David's life takes lots of twists and turns. He goes to the palace. He comes back to the shepherd's field. He goes to the palace. He gets run off by the king. He defeats giants and conquers enemies. And God uses him in a big way. Finally, when we get to 2 Samuel chapter number 5, what God promised would happen happens many years later, probably in the neighborhood of 15 or more. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter number 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, Then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron, and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, thou wast he that led us out and brought us in Israel. And the Lord said to thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel. And thou shalt be a captain over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king of to Hebron. And King David made a league with them in Hebron before the, before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned thirty and three years over all Israel and Judah. I read this, and I've read it multiple times over the last several weeks, and when I read it, my first thought always is, finally, finally, it's happened. And David is now the king of Israel. 
I want to take just a minute, I want to look at verse number 3, and we'll take a message title from the end of verse number 3. The Bible says, they anointed David king over Israel. Uh, They anointed David king over Israel. He was anointed to be the king many years ago, and now it's official. Finally, what God had promised came to pass. If you're in a waiting period, waiting on the promises of God to come to fruition, I want to encourage you to do something. Keep waiting. Waiting's good. And we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. I want to bring to you, out of the four sections in this chapter, four uh, points and four ideas, some things to remember as you continue to serve the Lord. Some things to remember as you continue to serve the Lord. I don't know about you, but along the way, I need some help. I need some encouragement. I need a shot in the arm. I need uh, some motivation and some direction. And in this passage of Scripture, there's no doubt some things that we can see. They anointed David king of Israel. And it's the springboard for the next section in David's life and some lessons that he needs to learn and some lessons that we can learn from him, from both his victories and his failures. They anointed David king over Israel. And there's some things we should remember we continue to serve the Lord. The first thing I want to bring your attention comes from these first five verses. Number one is this, waiting works. Waiting works. Now, I think it would be an interesting study, and maybe you could take the time to do it sometime, to see how many times in David's book of Psalms he mentions the word waiting. Waiting. If there's one thing David learned, David learned to wait on the Lord. Oh, how many times was David's plans upset by the providence of God waiting we love to wait right no we hate it and I'm sure David was no different he's like oh boy I get to wait on what I want one more day yay I'm sure that was not his spirit but I'll have you know something waiting works waiting works And it's so exciting for me to read these first five verses of chapter number five and see that God indeed does what he promises he'll do. Folks, if God's made a promise to you, he'll keep it. His timing is perfect. His providence is right and full of love and truth and compassion. And I'll have you know something, waiting on the Lord works. Wait. Wait, I say on the Lord. Wait. Wait. He's faithful. He's finally king over all of Israel. And waiting works. Wait on the Lord. Don't do the wrong things. You remember the many times through David's life, and we can't rehearse them all. You remember the many times through David's life when David, as this young man leading up to this 37th year of his life, when he is tempted to take matters into his own hands... And move ahead of God and do things the wrong way. But he waited. He waited. In the days that are ahead in David's life, there's going to come seasons where he doesn't learn from his own experience. And he jumps ahead of God and does things sinfully and it brings great regret. Let me encourage you to do something. Wait patiently on the Lord. Do you feel a sense of urgency in your heart to have something? Wait on the Lord. Do you have a burden that's hard to carry and you don't know what to do with it and how to deal with it? I say to you, don't sin against God trying to fulfill your own desires. Wait on the Lord. Waiting works. David would testify, it's been a long journey. 
but I've been blessed. I hear our teens sing that often. Just a reminder, kids, it's not been, long, been a long journey yet. But that song is very true. And you can be sure that as we wait on the Lord, he'll always be faithful. Waiting works. Oh, David, I love it. I want to give you some explanation to verse number 4. Look at the Bible. It says, David was 30 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years. Now, when David was 30 years old, what happened? David, uh, Saul was dead, and David became the king over Judah, a, a section, maybe a half section of the nation of Israel. It was at that moment when uh, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, became the king of the other section, another portion of the nation of Israel. It's often referred to as the divided kingdom. So when he was 30 years old, he began to reign over half of the nation of Israel. The Bible says in verse number 5, in Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. Seven years and six months. What do you have to do? Uh, Saul was dead. He'd already waited 10 years to be the king of Israel. Saul was dead. What do you have to do? He had to wait again. Seven and a half more years. But in his waiting, God was faithful and God blessed him. He waited seven years and six months. And the Bible says, and in Jerusalem, he reigned 30 and three years over all Israel and Judah. For the next 33 years, God used him in a big way. I've said all that and I see this passage of scripture and I'm reminded of something I need to remember as I continue to serve the Lord, as we embark on new adventures and embark on new things, you remember this, waiting works. Number two. Number two, do not underestimate God and God's king. When we come to verse number six, the storyline changes, and David is now officially the king of the entire nation of Israel. And you won't believe this, but he doesn't live happily ever after. He begins to have to face battles. You know what's something we've got to remember? We yearn for these moments in life. If you're not, uh, you yearn for the day you go to college. You yearn for the day you get married. You yearn for the day that you have children. You yearn for the day that you begin a career. You yearn for the day that you retire from a career. Uh, you yearn for these moments in life, and we sometimes have a uh, look at those moments with rose-colored glasses as if, if I can get to that moment, then I won't have any trouble. But that's just not how it works, right? But let me remind you of something. As we come in contact with life's burdens, as we continue on the path of God's will, we can know that God is faithful and never underestimate God and God's king. Here's what happens in verse number 6. David is going to set up his new headquarters in Jerusalem. This is our first real introduction to the proper city of Jerusalem and it becoming inhabited by the nation of Israel. The Bible says in verse 6, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem under the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither, thinking David cannot come in Hither. Now, I'll just tell you, that's a hard verse sometimes to understand. But it's not all that complicated. And we've got to know something. So, David and his men go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city that's on a hill. It's, it's uh, the spot that is uh, d- 
that is, uh, only needs to be defended from one direction. It's a very prominent place. It's a place that God has given to the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, God had already given it to the nation of Israel earlier in the book of Judges. But when the nation of Israel went in to conquer the land of the Jebusites, they did not utterly drive them out. You remember that? They didn't utterly drive the Jebusites out. So now David, many years later, I think it's like 400, don't hold me to it. But many years later, David is coming back to Jerusalem to set up headquarters for the nation of Israel, the place that the temple will be, the Jerusalem. And when he gets there, because the people of God before had not obeyed God and had not been faithful to God and had not trusted God with their enemies, now David's going to have to fight this battle with the Jebusites. Now, the Jebusites were notoriously arrogant. I mean, if you have Jerusalem as your military strong point, you have some reason to be arrogant. But they had this idea, and their thought was, there's no way David can take us. And this passage of Scripture, it says this in verse number 6. It says, The king and his men went to Jerusalem under the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither. Now, I want you to know something. David was not picking on the blind and the lame. It was actually the Jebusites who were taunting David and his men. They said, we could set up an army of blind men and lame men in front of the city of Jerusalem, and you couldn't conquer us. They said, we're going to put our lame and our blind out on the front lines and they'll defeat you and you'll never win this battle. That's how arrogant these folks were. The Bible says in verse number 7, nevertheless, you see that? Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same as the city of David. Folks, let the enemies of God mock the work of God. But I'll have you know something. You should never underestimate God and God's king. God was able, of course, as he was able to conquer the walls of Jericho with the nation of Israel. He was able also to conquer the Jebusites and give David and God's people and God's men a headquarters for the nation, the very own precious Jerusalem itself. Don't ever underestimate God. The scripture continues in verse 8. David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. And so David says, listen, here's what we're going to do. They think we're going to attack them this way, but what we're going to do, we're going to go through the gutter. We're going to go through the main irrigation line into the city of Jerusalem, and we're going to conquer the Jebusites. And they did just that. And God gave victory to God's people. Folks, there are all kinds of people around us that want to mock and scorn the work of God, the plan of God, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the importance of the church, the ministry of the gospel. But let me tell you something, never underestimate the power of God. You just keep serving Him. Never quit trusting the Lord. Never quit yearning to serve God with your life. You see, in David's life, he was ready to move on. It's time to keep pressing. We need to remember these things. Waiting works. 
Do not underestimate God and God's king. If you're faced with a circumstance or situation that's too big for you, you're in good company because all of us, if we're honest, are also in the same shape. But as we face the impenetrable, the fortified, strengthened, and the mocking world, you remember something, don't underestimate God. And God's king. God gave great victory to the nation of Israel. And the Bible says in verse number 9, So David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about from Milo and inward. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. What was the key to David's great success? The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Waiting works. Don't underestimate God and God's king. Number three, God's blessing does not excuse God's law. God's blessing does not excuse God's law. Now, when we turn to verse number 11, we begin to see the humanity of David. Do you know that we're not to worship David? Now, David often in the story is the hero. And I like to preach and teach and talk about the hero nature of David. And there are lots of admirable characteristics that we can find in the life of David. But there are also the reality of the fact that David was just a man. And folks, our faith is not to be fixed in any man, even David, King David, the man after God's own heart. Our faith is to be fixed in one person and one person alone, that is King Jesus. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is God. Jesus is Savior. And we've got to be careful about who we make our hero. And the Bible gives us some insight and shows us just a little bit of the humanity of David as we turn the page in verse number 11. Now, God had given David great victories. And God had come through, had come through in God's perfect timing. But David is going to have to learn a few things the hard way, and here's one of them. The Bible says in verse 11, And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people, Israel's sake. Now, Hiram proves later not to be the greatest of allies. And David accepts his gifts from King from the King Hiram, and we find out later that they come back to haunt him. We've got to be careful who we make our allies. And if we become friends with the world, from our message this morning, the Bible says the friendship of the world is enmity with God. We've got to be careful about those things. Now, here's what the Bible says in verse 13. And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem. Who was the inhabitants of Jerusalem? Just... Hours or days ago, the Jebusites. Were those the people? Were those God's people? No, they were the people that we were to utterly destroy. Who did David begin to marry and bring into his harem? He began to bring the Jebusites, the wives out of Jerusalem, after he was come from Hebron. And there were yet sons and daughters born to David, and these be the names of those that were born unto him in Jerusalem. Shamua, Shobab, and Nathan, and Solomon, Ebar also, and Elishua, and Nephag, and Jephiah, and Elishma, and Eliada, and Eliphet. So he's got all these kids. 
What's the point, preacher? I'll tell you. God had told in his law through Moses, and David knew it, that the king of Israel, before Israel ever had a king, God had sent word through Moses that whoever's the king of Israel is not to marry a bunch of wives. It'll turn his heart. It'll mess him up. But what did David do? He did exactly what God had told him not to do. This is going to be one of the great falls of David. One of the great faults, I should say, of David and cause him to fall. Also, it is going to be one of the greatest problems that his son Solomon, his predecessor to the throne, deals with because David disobeys God. If you ever get to the place in your Christian life where you've had victory after victory after victory after victory, God bless you, it's wonderful. And it's possible for all of us. But I'll have you know something. None of us ever get to the place that we are so holy, that we are so spiritual, that we've had so much spiritual success that we are exempt from obeying the truth of God's Word. Don't ever get to the place where you think you're so smart that you can excuse yourself from some of the rules and some of the laws and some of the truths and some of the things that God has prohibited. Through my short life, I've encountered numerous preachers who got so full of their success in their own hearts, in their own minds, that they exempted themselves from obeying God's law. May God protect me from that. May God protect you from that. Because David found out that when you become puffed up with pride and you excuse the rules of the law of God and the principles of God's word, it will cost you dearly. Remember that. As you continue to serve the Lord, don't forget that God's blessing does not excuse God's law. And finally, number four, in the face of your enemy, seek the Lord. And then, seek Him again. We have another little story that comes up here in verse number 17. The Bible says, But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. Now, this is what happened. As soon as the Philistines heard, we've not heard anything from the Philistines now for like seven and a half years. They didn't realize, they they hadn't had any reason to pursue, but now they know that David is the new king of all of Israel. And what do they do? They pursue after David. It reminds us of the second psalm, Psalm 2. The Bible says, and David writes it, he says, The kings of the earth have gathered themselves, they've set themselves against the Lord's anointed. And here he comes. David's getting ready to fight. He's going to have to battle with the Philistines. The Bible says when the Philistines heard that, he was anointed. Uh, they went down, he went down to the hold. In verse 18, the Bible says the Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephim. Now, when we see that word spread themselves, I want you to get the idea that the Philistines came out in great number. They got in this big valley and they spread out all over the valley. The picture that I believe God wants us to see was there's great enemies of the Lord. Because here in a minute, those great enemies, the great spreading out of all these troops from the Philistines, they're going to depart like water. The Bible says in verse number 19, and David... Inquire to the Lord. Well done, David. 
Now, David is somebody that we can identify with because he'll do something dumb and then he'll do something right. How many of you ever like that? I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sin, faithfulness of God. And David here does something right. He sees this great host of Philistines down in the valley. And he inquires the Lord, shall I go up to the Philistines? Will thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, go up. For I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. God gave David clear direction. And the Bible says that David came to Baal-perazim. And David smote them there and said... The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And there they left their images and David and his men burned them. But what happened? It's fascinating to see it. You can close your eyes and see this great valley full of soldiers. And when David and his men with the power of God moved on that enemy, the enemy was smitten in the front lines and the crowd began to disperse and they left there like a great breach of water. All of a sudden it's like you opened the floodgates and those soldiers and all the armies, the Philistines, they ran with their tails tucked away from the battle and God gave the nation of Israel great victory they moved so quickly that the images and the gods that the Philistines had brought into the valley they left them behind and David and his men burned them in verse 22 and the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim have we ever been here before yeah we were just there God gave victory earlier. But I want you to see what David does. And I thank God for this. Because I think it's something that we need to remember. We need to always seek the Lord. David had wrought a great victory in this exact same valley against the exact same enemy. And David very wisely, instead of going headlong saying, I got this, I've done this before. What's David do? The first thing he does is seeks the Lord. I want to remind you of this very important truth. As we move forward in service of King Jesus, we must constantly seek the Lord. We seek the Lord as we face our enemies. And then we seek the Lord again as we face our enemies. And we seek the Lord again as we face our enemies. Folks, every day we should be on our faces before God, seeking His direction. Though we've had victories in the past, we must never forget who the source of strength is and who the source of our victories are. It is none other than the Lord himself. And David sought the Lord for victory, and God gave it, and David sought the Lord again. Well, that should be our pattern, right? Every day we need the Lord. Every hour we need the Lord. Seek the Lord. The second story is different than the first. You see, God leads... David to conquer the Philistines one way in battle number one. In battle number two, he encourages them to do it a different way. I want you to see it. The Bible says in verse 22, The Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them. And come upon them over against the mulberry trees. He says, we're not going to do it the way we did it last time. Last time, we hit them head first. And God says and leads David, he says, this time, I want you to get around behind them. I want you to get behind them between them and the mulberry trees. I can't wait to see this when God shows it to me on the big video screen. I joke about that all the time. 
This will be an interesting story to see. He says, when you get to the mall, you go to the mulberry trees, and we're going to go behind them, and we get to the mulberry trees. He says, I want you to wait on me there. Remember, it's always good to wait, and waiting works. And the Bible says in verse 24, And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then thou then shall the Lord go out before thee. To smite the host of the Philistines. He says, when I blow my wind through the tops of the mulberry trees, you'll know it's time. Now, we've got to be careful about signs and wonders and looking for signs and putting out our fleeces and that type of thing. But you know, I'm confident that God leads his people. And God gives us direction and God will blow into the sail of our life and give us peace and clarity. We've got a lady who believes God's called to the mission field. You're listening to a preacher who years ago knows that God called him to preach. And I can't understand exactly how God blew and stirred my mulberries, but he did. And God leads his people. And we should be the kind of people who are always seeking the Lord. As we move forward, by the way, we should always be moving forward in our service of King Jesus. Don't forget that. If you've backed up in your relationship to Jesus, you're going in the wrong direction. We should always be moving forward. And David was moving to the next step. And he kept seeking the Lord. And God kept guiding him and directing him. You know what's sweet? The Lord will do the same thing for you. We need to be listening, watching, obeying the moving of God in our hearts and our lives. What did David do? He sought him in the face of his enemies, and he sought him again. Hey, look, we all should be pressing forward in our Christian life. Here's some things you need to remember. Waiting works. Don't sin. Wait. Don't underestimate God and God's king. You think the enemy and the future is bleak and dangerous. You wait on God and you'll see that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what you could ever ask or think. Don't forget God's blessing does not excuse God's law. You keep obeying. And finally, in the face of your enemy, seek the Lord. Then seek him again and again and again and again. And you'll find out that God will use you when you're in a place of submission and humility and you let him work in your life. Oh, it's good. I'm excited to see what God's going to do with David now as the king. For the next 30 years, he'll be the king over all of Israel. The Lord's going to use him. The Lord's going to use him to teach us some things that we should do and some things we shouldn't do. God's moving. May God help us apply these things to our lives.